Parakei Mishnah Zion. Mishi Zimun Itzla Orchen. Let's say, continuing on with the Halachot of Tchumen, let's say one invites guests um, to one's house on Yom Tov. Lo Yulichu Biyada Manot. That um, they may not take home with them uh, manot, uh, portions of food um, from the uh, from the Baal. Um, in other words, uh, to take possession of the food on Yom Tov and bring it back home to their own house, um, maybe uh, which is uh, in their own tchum, but might not be in the tchum of the uh, of the owner of the house. Um, unless that the owner, the host, um, already um, is essentially gives them possession of this food um, from erev yom tov, and if that's the case, then um, then they follow the the the, um, uh, the tchumim of the guests and not the tchumim of the of the host. Now, uh, with finishing the mesechet abeitza. Um, so we go back now to the halachot of Muksa, which are dealt with it extensively within the context of the Masechta. Uh, we know that you're allowed to shecht animals um, on Yom Tov uh, because of Heter al-Chonefesh. Um, but here we have a question of, let's say you have animals that aren't a t- completely accessible to you. Um, in other words, they, there are many animals that graze, um, for long periods of time. So uh, grazing, arranging animals, um, you can't water them uh, to loosen their hide and shocht and shech them um, on Yom Tov because they're not considered muhan for the purposes of Yom Tov. Um, but you can go ahead and water and shecht, uh domesticated animals. So what is the difference between a domesticated animal um, and a range animal for this purpose? Let's say you have animals that graze during the day, but at night they come back uh, within the confines of the ear. Those are considered domesticated animals. And bariot and those that are um, that are essentially um, wilderness animals or, or grazing range animals, these are the ones that spend the night um, out in the in the fields, meaning they don't come back within the confines of the city. So those animals you can't shecht on Yom Tov, um, but the domesticated animals, even though they're ranged during the day, as long as they sleep um, within the confines of the city at night, uh, those those can be uh, shechted uh, during the day of Yom Tov. Maseches Rosh Hashanah is going to discuss various elements related to the Jewish calendar. Uh, the Jewish calendar is an outcome of a tzivoy, of a commandment given to the Jewish people in Mitzrayim, of HaChodesh HaZelachem, that we are entrusted with the process of establishing the months of the year and thereby determining the dates of the Jewish calendar. Rashi, in the very first Rashi in the Torah, um, considers the possibility that the Torah could have actually begun the entire Hamisha Chumshei Torah, because not... Now, we would not be five books of Torah, but four books of Torah, uh, from this very mitzvah of HaChodesh HaZelachem. So much importance is ascribed to the mitzvah of establishing the calendar, that this is the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people as a whole, and it is considered a potential starting point for the entire Torah itself. Uh, the establishment of the Jewish calendar was given over to the Jewish people in an expression on a part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the Jewish people are intended to be the masters over their own time. That while God created an incredible world and gave us so much potential to accomplish great things, at the end of the day, it is how we spend our time, it is how we allocate our time to our particular priorities that will ultimately determine our success in the world.
And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusted us with the responsibility to establish the Jewish calendar. So the Jewish calendar is not set in stone, even though today uh, we do have a pre-formulated calendar pre-formulated calendar that could be <coughs> determined for dates far into the future. The way the process worked in times of old, as we're going to discuss throughout the Masechta, was witnesses would come and testify that they saw the new moon, and with that the Bezdin would establish the Jewish calendar. And the Medrash writes that even if astronomically speaking these witnesses were incorrect, that from an objective astronomical standpoint, the moon was visible. It just wasn't visible to the human beings that happened to show up at the Bezdin, that a Baruch Hu ensures that the celestial realities, in fact, follow the uh, enactments of the Jewish people. So even a day as holy as, say, Yom Kippur, uh, on which the day before Yom Kippur there's a mitzvah to eat, and the day of Yom Kippur itself there's a prohibition uh, to indulge in food and drink. HaKadosh Baruch Hu determines from an objective heaven perspective when the day of Yom Kippur will be, not by virtue of some sort of objective calculation, but by virtue of when the Jewish people determine that the calendar should be situated and what day Yom Kippur should fall out. And so therefore, um, the Jewish calendar is associated with the empowerment on the part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Jewish people, and the Yerushalmi even writes that there are physical manifestations of this that actually change in the framework of creation uh, that follow not the uh, not the objective astronomical realities of a calendarical system, but rather what the Jewish people determine should be the proper dates uh, for the various Chagim, for the various holidays. So let's begin with Meseches Rosh Hashanah with Mishnah Aleph. We are used to colloquially calling Rosh Hashanah, when we say Rosh Hashanah, we are generally referring to the Day of Judgment, to Yom Adin, to the day where we blow the shofar and engage in tshuva. Uh, but the Mishnah notes that there are a number of dates within the framework of the Jewish calendar that are also called Rosh Hashanah. Arba Rosh Hashanah Him, writes the Mishnah that in fact there are four days of the year that are in fact considered to be days of Rosh Hashanah. Number one, Be'echad Be'Nisan. The first day of the month of Nisan is itself considered to be a day of Rosh Hashanah. With respect to what is Rosh Chodesh Nisan, a day of Rosh Hashanah? <clears throat> so firstly, Lamilochim, for the purposes of kings. And the Gemara explains that it is necessary to know how many years a king has been ruling. We are referring here in this part of the Mishnah to Jewish kings, and therefore, in order to determine the number of Jewish kings, the Gemara writes that <coughs> Chazal decided that this should not be done based on the day that they ascend the throne, but rather there should be an objective date in the calendar that is the cutoff date for the first year. So Rosh Chodesh Nisan uh, serves as that date. So if a Jewish king ascended the throne four days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, they would in fact be considered in year two of their kingship once Rosh Chodesh Nisan arrived. And, so, and the kingship would be counted from then forward. Why is it so significant to know what the year of a particular king is? And the reason for that is because many of the shtaros, many of the legal documents 
such as Gittin, such as uh, bills of divorce and Ksubos and other legal documents, all contained um, dates to determine when these uh, legal documents were effectuated. And this is important because many of these legal documents create liens on various property on the part of those engaged in this type of commerce. And so therefore, we need to know precisely when these uh, when these um, agreements took hold. And so we cannot take a subjective date standard that is relative to a particular king. We have to have an objective standard that could move through different uh, kings ascending the throne and be able to determine precisely when these various um, agreements were made. And so therefore... We include, the minhag was to include, the din was to include the year of the king, of the Jewish king, in all of these documents. Um, the Gemara writes that the reason why Chazal chose Rosh Chodesh Nisan is so that there would be a relationship between the uh, the ascension of a Jewish king and, of course, Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim, the Geula of the Jewish people, the exodus of the Jewish people from Egypt, so that the king would always remember <coughs> that as much sovereignty that is entrusted to a Jewish king, and there is a dramatic amount of, of sovereignty entrusted to a Jewish king. Nevertheless, the ultimate king is the Melech Malchei Hamlochim, is a Baruch Hu, and he is the one who ultimately directs the destiny of the Jewish people, as is manifested through the uh, experience, through the national experience of Yetzias Mitzrayim, of the Exodus. Uh, the Me'iri writes that the truth is that one of the reasons why we don't use the date of the king's ascension is because it is possible that that date could be forgotten, especially when there are a number of kings in close succession. And so therefore, it was important to pick a objective date. The Mishnah also writes that it's Rosh Hashanah, that Echad ben Nisan, the first day of Nisan, is a Rosh Hashanah liregalim, for the purposes of establishing holidays. So we all know that there are three primary holidays throughout the Jewish year, the Shalosh Regalim, and that is Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos. Chag HaMatzos, Chag HaShavuos, and Chag HaSukkos. The, uh, the Torah writes that if an individual wishes to commit themselves to bringing a karbon, to bringing a sacrifice in the temple, so such an individual would make a commitment called a neder. And the Torah writes that Kisidor neder la'ashem alokecha lo sa'acher l'shalmo. That when you make a commitment to bring a karbon, to bring a sacrifice, to the Beis Hamikdash, similar to making a commitment to contribute to any um, institution of holiness, uh, there is a time limit that is given when that commitment can be fulfilled. And the uh, the Torah says, "Let lo You are not permitted to delay uh, that commitment. You are not permitted to be late in fulfilling that commitment. And so, therefore, the um, therefore the Torah says, "What does it mean?" So the Torah says you can't be late. So what does it mean to be late? So the Gemara writes, to be late means that three Chagim have passed, that three Regalim have passed. However, even though the Shi'or, even though the, the amount of Regalim that is given is three, the beginning of that time period begins with Rosh Chodesh Nisan, begins with Pesach. And so therefore, if you were to make the commitment a month before Pesach, so then when Pesach passes, and then Shavuos passes, and then Sukkot passes, all in a period of about seven months, you would be required by then, by the end of Sukkot, to go ahead and fulfill your commitment. If you were to make the commitment after Pesach, so you would have not only the following year of Shavuos and Sukkot, but then you would restart the clock with Pesach again, with Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and get the following 
uh, three regalim. And so that is the purpose of the Rosh Hashanah regalim. The Mishnah then goes on to say that the Echad Be'elul, that on the first day of Elul, Rosh Hashanah Lemaiser Behema, that the first day of Elul serves as a Rosh Hashanah for the purposes of Maiser Behema. Maiser Behema is the Torah's requirement in Vayikra to set aside the tenth animal from among your flock of sheep and goats or herd of cattle that is born during a particular year, that every tenth animal is declared to be Kadosh, as a as a carbon to Hashem, and the uh, the farmers would in fact uh, allow all of the animals to pass through a particular narrow passageway, and ensure that every tenth animal uh, is is uh, designated as kadosh la Hashem. So in order to uh, in order to engage in the process of meiser, since it is a percentage, you need what is essentially a fiscal year. You need uh, a date, a cutoff date, from which you will take the tenth uh, animal, the ten percent, and so therefore the cutoff date of Meiser Behema is the first day of Elul. The reason why the first day of Elul is chosen is because the first day of Elul is also for the Meiser of grain and the the Meiser of various produce, and so therefore we wanted to create an association between the Meiser Behema and the Meiser of Grain. The mission then goes on to say, Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon write, <coughs> they disagree, and they hold that it is the um, the first day of Tishrei, serves as the Rosh Hashanah for the Meiser Behema. There is a Machlokas amongst the Rishonim, which view we in fact follow, and it is uh, somewhat unresolved. Be'echad betishrei Rosh Hashanah la'shanim ve'la'shmitin ve'la'yovlos la'netia ve'la'yerokos. So the first day of Tishrei, so we think of the first day of Tishrei, that's the Rosh Hashanah we're most familiar with. So first of all, it's a Rosh Hashanah for the purposes of shanim, for the purposes of years. Um, so the Mepharshim on the Mishnah write that here we are talking about how one calculates the years of a non-Jewish king. And here we don't select an association with an event that is um, specific to the Jewish people, of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, but a more universal um, event, and that is, of course, the, the creation of the world. Although there is a discussion, there's a machlokas, we're going to learn later, uh, when exactly the world was created, and we will, we will explore that when appropriate. So, but it is also the Rosh Hashanah for the purposes of Shemitah. The purposes of Shemitah. Shemitah is the mitzvah that every seven years we allow our land to lie fallow and we rely on a Baruch Hu. And this lasts for an entire year and that year is calculated from Rosh Chodesh Tishrei. The, um, the mission then goes on to say that it is also a Rosh Hashanah for Yovlos. Yovlos is the mitzvah of Yovel, which the Pasuk and Vayikra describes that after seven cycles of Shemitah, the 50th year is known as Yovel. During that year, first of all, there is an, a, a, a accentuated uh, need to rely on the Chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu because we are in fact going to leave the land lying fallow for an additional uh, year of Shemitah, but in addition to that, during that year, all of the Jewish slaves are set free, and the land that has been sold through various uh, means returns to their original owners, and that happens during Yovel. 
Yovel, so the Mishnah says that Yovel begins on Echad B'Tishrei. Uh, we know that one of the reasons why we pull the shofar at the conclusion of Yom Kippur is because the, we, the shofar used to be blown at the conclusion of Yom Kippur on the, on the year of Yovel, and that signaled the ultimate freedom for all of the slaves who were living in the various homes. So the Gemara describes that there were actually, the Ramam describes that there were these ten days where even though the slaves were free people, they still remained uh, in the homes of their masters. And that ability to continue to live with one's master, even in the framework of freedom, uh, speaks to the Jewish approach to slavery in general, which was not an approach of domination and control, but was an approach of, of restoration, an approach of, of a contractual relationship, uh, whereby, you know, the slave was provided with, um, with incredible support and a wonderful loving home and in a great environment. And uh, to sort of celebrate that, that relationship, those final ten days uh, were shared in that context. The Mishnah tells us, Lanetia, it's also Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, is also Rosh Chodesh for the purpose of planting. The Gemara writes that this is referring to the planting of trees. There is a mitzvah in the Torah called Orla, which means the first three years of any tree, um, we are not allowed to benefit from it. And then the fourth year of the tree is called Revai, and that is where the produce has to be brought to Yerushalayim and eaten there. And subsequent to that, the tree it becomes uh, appropriate for one to benefit from. So the uh, the din is, the law is, that if one planted a tree, it has to be about 45 days or more before the first of Tishrei. 45 days because it takes about 14 days for the seeds to take root. And then 30 days are considered to be the length of a year based on a principle of Rabbi Elazar, that Shloshim Yom Bashana Chashav Kishana. And if that occurs, then Rosh Hashanah, the first of Tishrei, will serve as the conclusion of year one. And then you calculate from there forward. As we're going to see later in the Mishnah, even though Rosh Hashanah is the calculation for year one, there is still a requirement to re- to wait at the conclusion of Rosh Hashanah till Tu Bishvat, or to Rosh Chodesh as we're going to see, uh, in order to be able to benefit from the fruit. Also, Valeya Rakos for vegetables, and this refers to the general din of Trumos and Maestros, that every single year, um, except for the year of Shemitah, we have to give a portion of our produce to the Kohen, and that is called Truma, and from what is left, we have to give another tenth uh, to the Levi, and that is called Meiser Rishon. From the remainder of what was originally left, we have to give, depending on the years of the Shemitah cycle, in the first, second, fourth, and fifth years, we take what is called Meiser Sheni, the uh, the first the, the the previous mice was Meiser Rishon. This is Meiser Sheni. In the third and sixth year of the cycle, we take what is called Meiser Ani. Meiser Sheni is uh, is separated in those years, and Meiser Ani is given to to poor people. Um, in the seventh year, all of the land is considered Hefker. So we need a cutoff date to determine when these years are calculated. So the Mishnah writes Yerakos, that that Rosh Chodesh Tishrei becomes that uh, that cutoff date as well. And so therefore, vegetables that are picked from the ground before Tishrei cannot be combined with vegetables that are picked after Tishrei in order to determine the total uh, from which we have to select the Miser. The Mishnah then tells us, Be'echad b'shvat, on the first day of Shvat, Rosh Hashanah le'ilon, that uh, the first day of Shvat serves as the Rosh Hashanah for 
trees when it comes to the purpose of um, taking miser from those produce as well. That uh, the fifteenth day of Shvat, as we celebrate uh, Tuba Shvat, that that is the time that uh, that is normal uh, for the blossoming of the tree, and so therefore that is uh, that is when we will we will take from the that is when the tree uh, achieves that uh, that that important point of crossing the threshold of the year.